Hey Barefoot Parents, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Cassie Hutton, and today we are diving into the final episode of Ashley Winning's Home Birth After Two Cesarean Sections and her full story and the rest of the story. Um, this episode is filled with a more amazing information and just the confidence in allowing mindset shifts to take place over birth and childbirth and it's a perfect um, segue into what I'm going to talk about, about my new birthing course coming out, in fact. But in this episode, um, Ashley just shares a lot of how she allowed her mindset to shift um, into just really not, not allowing fear to overcome her. She really talks about how at the very beginning of her pregnancy, like 14 weeks in, um, a crazy early time that she could feel that her baby was posterior and that fear almost overwhelmed her. And then the next thing happened and then the next thing happened. And she finally came to a point where she allowed that fear to just be released and she stopped worrying. And, um, she really touches on how she was at a conference and she realized that it was, not important to worry about baby's position. She realized that her body and what she said in a previous episode, her body is a powerhouse that could, or is a vessel and a powerhouse that could not be broken open whenever. In that um, scenario, she was talking about how her body did not respond to an induction. And that was, she allowed her that mindset shift to come and say, um, you know what, my it wasn't that my body was broken and didn't respond. It was actually that my body was saying, absolutely not. This is not the right thing for Ashley, and I am not going to give in to this. And so she's allowed that mindset shift to come. And I just, I, as I've just listened back to all of these episodes, I am really grateful that I gave myself some time in between our interview and actually editing these podcasts because I've just gained so much more knowledge and understanding and was able to really go back through and just listen and let her birth story wash over me as I'm preparing for my own free birth um, because that's what she did. She had to take the radical responsibility of birth into her own hands and she took responsibility for anything that was going to happen and she weighed the odds and I just can't wait to dive into this story. So before we get started, you know I'm going to talk about my birthing course, but today I'm going to talk about this course that I created before the bigger course comes out. This mini course, it is a healing birth trauma mini course. Take Back Your Birth is what I've called it, a guide to healing birth trauma. And in this mini course, you can actually snag it for free starting January 23rd. If you are signed up on my emails or you follow me at all, I'm going to let you know when this comes out. Normally, it's going to be at least 97. It's going to be between 97 to probably $147. But right now, you can get it for free. I want you to share it with your friends, share it with anyone that you know needs to heal from birth trauma, especially the Christian mamas out there there that are really struggling with moving past their birth trauma or really fearful of having that natural vaginal birth after maybe a cesarean or going or if they're fearful of going through the same things again and don't see the freedom that they have in choosing how to birth their babies um, and so this course walks you through mindset shifts 
walks you through um, allowing yourself to grieve over your birth, walks you through um, taking back your birth and, and shifting into that empowered mindset. Um, we talk about identity and really just allowing the Holy Spirit to walk you through that valley and seeing the beauty in the valley, really, instead of always wanting to be on the mountaintop. And so in this course, you will learn or you will transform your birth trauma with faith-fueled healing for Christian moms. This is your path to confidence, connection, and God's guiding grace. And so here, if this is where you find yourself at, I just want you to picture this in your mind and ask yourself, is this where you're at? As a Christian mom, the journey of childbirth that should be a celebration of life becomes overshadowed by lingering birth trauma. Do you constantly flash back to that? or not even constantly, but sometimes, is there just still a trigger there for you? The weight of anxiety and fear and emotional scars hinder the joy you should be experiencing. You're not alone, and that is why I've written this course. Many people, many mothers find themselves grappling with the aftermath and struggling to reconcile their faith with the trauma they've endured during childbirth. Even years later, I still encounter people years and years later after their birth and they're still trying to understand, why did I let myself go there? Why am I um, asking themselves the why questions and saying to themselves, I just didn't know. I just tried to trust my providers. And so I just want you to know, you're not alone. And if that's you, I want you to now envision a transformed reality where healing and divine restoration take center stage. Don't you love that? So in my Take Back Your Birth Guide to Healing Birth Trauma for Christian Moms, this course is a beacon of hope that you've been seeking. Imagine a newfound sense of peace, confidence, and connection with your faith as you emerge from the shadows of birth trauma. Through God's Word and empowering education, you'll not only heal, but also thrive in your role as a Christian mother. And so you don't this isn't necessarily a course just for moms who want to have more babies. This is even if you're still grappling with the aftermath and you know you're not going to have any more babies. You still need to walk through inner healing. This course will help you. This is the this is the steps, right? We always have to start somewhere. It's going to help you to get to where you want to be. Take the first step towards this transform, transformative journey. My carefully crafted course is your guide weaving together faith and education to navigate the path from trauma to triumph. Embrace a future where childbirth becomes a testament to strength, resilience, and the unwavering support of your faith. Allow what was meant to break you become your breakthrough. I'm going to say it one more time. Allow what was meant to break you become your breakthrough. Join me on this empowering expedition towards healing and rediscover the joy that birth can truly bring. So if you want to know more about that, of course, it's going to be linked in the show notes below. Just scroll down, find the beta founding members program link. And then in that you will find everything that the course is going to be about a full description of all of the modules and what you get with those modules, the downloads, the resources. Um, if you're a crunchy mama and you love all things crunchy, there's going to be a whole like recipe guide in there, not just for food, but like tinctures and salves, chapsticks, uh, face masks, things that you can um, use to treat yourself and also your newborn baby so that you are not exposing yourself and your newborn to all these chemicals that are in our system nowadays. So scroll all the way to the bottom of that page if you want to sign up for that and check out all the pricing. You will not get this course 
for cheaper anywhere else at any other time. And you will also not get the one-on-one -on -one and group community setting that you're going to get because I'm only taking a handful of ladies, um, around 10 ladies to walk through this course with me. And so sign up now, get your seat so that when I recover from postpartum sometime in late February, we will start walking through this course together. So snag your seat. The time is almost up. $197. You will not get that offer anywhere else. That's at least half price. I haven't set the full price for the course just yet, but that is an amazing price to walk through this course with me and to get one-on-one -on -one mentorship. And then along with that, you will get the wisdom and guidance and just the questions and the experiences from other moms. I don't know that we'll ever do it in a group setting again because that's not my vision for it in the future. Although it could be, it could work, I don't know. But moving forward, snag this course price right now. And I will see you there and I will also see you in the show. Welcome to the Barefoot Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Cassie Hutton. I help Christian moms have a home birth they desire through education and the Word. If you're an old soul that is passionate about restoring godly wisdom and disconnecting from this interconnected world, then you're in the right place. Let's discuss godly restoration through the five H's of home. Home birth, homeschool, homemaking, homemade, home remedies, and health. sounds like I just I love that your husband was so supportive and obviously um, he didn't want to see you go through what you went through again and so what I I mean that had to make you feel like um, you know just like you could really soar and and go with it um, just him empowering you in that way yeah, it was nice because I know some women have to encourage or, you know, really, it, it's really nice that my, my husband listened to me on some level that he understood what I was saying and he was getting the logical information because men like logical yeah. information. So I think that that empowered him as well. But he, my husband is a very, you said that, you know, I had the intuitive knowledge. I didn't actually have the intuitive knowledge. I'm, I'm more of a type A personality, so I'm a forward planner, thinker based because I'm, I want to control everything and because I have a lot of anxiety around that. So my husband's actually intuitive. So I've only just realised this over the last couple of years that I, I'm very intuitive when it comes to people and that I think that's more of a survival mechanism from my childhood trauma. I think that most of us would be intuitively born, but I realise that I'm more of an intellectual processor and I think that comes from what our society deems as how we should be and, like, you have to prove yourself. And over the years, when I've used my intuition, people have told me that I'm judgmental yeah. or I'm fabricating oh, yeah. things or I'm a horrible <laughs> oh, person yeah. for saying things. So I, yeah, so I suppress my intuition and I am looking for facts. Yeah. But my husband, I would say to him, like, well, how do you know that this won't happen? He's like, just would, like, close his eyes and, like, no, nah, I get a good feeling. It's going to be fine. I was like, I thought he was a bit crazy. Like, do you even, like, understand the, like, gravity of what we're talking about? And I'm laughing now because back then I, it was very frustrating for me because I was like, I felt very alone in it because I was like, you're not doing the research, you're not doing this. But now that I've learned more about myself and I've gone through this process and I've 
started doing a lot more work with myself, I realized that he's intuitive and his journey has allowed him to be able to be like that and live his life like that. Whereas I've had to drive and control everything. So the biggest part for me was being able to surrender and take on that full responsibility of the outcomes. But it, if I went into it again now, it would be very powerful for me. And also trusting his intuition, but also now my own because I'm harnessing and relearning how to listen to myself and not overthink my intuition. Yeah. I'm, I am right there with you. And in fact, I just shared this on my Instagram stories um, from Dr. uh, Caroline. uh, What is her last name? I'm sure you know who she is. Um, She's a well-known psychologist, not from America. Um, but that's basically like what the post was saying was like, you know, don't overthink. You're, you're uh, almost like making your intuition like more than it needs to be. You're just really overthinking things. It's like, yeah, I really yeah. needed to hear that one today. <laughs> um, so you're, you're right in all of that. And, and I could agree too, that it does come from childhood trauma and, um, a lot of the people pleasing and learning, you know, learning who you need to be mm. in what situation instead of always being um uh nurtured into who you've always been and who you were created to be um so uh there were so take us through I guess some of the things that you did do to take responsibility for your own birth um and then how that felt for you because you shared with us that it really didn't feel empowering it still felt like a little bit of a trap for you because this was the only option um but, mm. but yeah, tell us some things that you did to take responsibility for that. Cause that's kind of where I'm at and, um, mm. almost overthinking it and thinking like, even though I've had all home mm. births, there are certain things that the, I just, you know, take for granted, like the midwives know what to do once the baby gets here or, you know, the midwives know what to look for. And so I'm trying to take on that responsibility myself to say, okay, what are some of the things that you know, how did you ever check to see if baby, what position baby was in? Did you learn to palpate your belly? Did you, what kind of research did you do to like, once the baby got there, how to clamp the cord or, you know, what did research did you do about Mm. placenta delivery? Um, Did you do research and find things on how to revive the baby? Um, All of those things. Okay, let's start. Let's start at one, and maybe if there's a specific question that I miss out, just just ask me yeah, on that. Yeah, I, I did say so a lot there. <laughs> I did get into. Yeah, <laughs> I did get into a lot of like what would happen with this, what would happen with that, and I did do a lot of research. I, as I said, I was part of multiple memberships, and I didn't find in depth sort of this is how you do it. So I was part of a lot of Facebook groups too where they would ask those questions. And I did get, I don't know if you know, Heather Baker's book, Home Birth on Your Own Terms. Have you got that book? Yeah. Yeah, so I recommend that to anyone who's home birthing. It's it's literally like just a guide. And I've just gone through and post-tagged all the sections that matter to yeah, me. Yeah, that's what I did too. And it, it's just a little guide a little snippet, like a paragraph of what to do with this. But essentially when it comes to like cutting the cord, obviously, you know, if you want to cut the cord, you can, you just allow, I mean, you just allow the, for as long as you want, 
and then you can put a cord on there, a plastic cord or a cord tie. I chose to have a cord tie. And then you just snip it whenever you're ready, essentially. It's it's a very simple process. You can also do lotus birth where you don't snip it for days and you use a herbal tincture and, you know, that has to go everywhere the baby goes until it eventually sorts of drops off. Uh, there's also one we can do with candles and you can get a little beautiful candle box with some candles and make a bit of a ceremony. I have heard that that can be a bit smelly though. So just if you are going through that process, maybe go outside or something. Uh, or have something on hand, just know that that potentially could be a smelling thing. Um, what was the other questions that you asked about uh, position so, of baby? Yeah, did you learn to palpate your belly? So I was a pretty lazy, um, I, I actually went with a lazy path. And what happened was I started my podcast when I was pregnant. Uh, I selfishly started it to hear VBAC home birth stories and yeah. free birth stories and connect with women, pretty much what you're doing here. I yeah. was getting guests onto the podcast and then I could ask them specific questions to what I wanted to know. So I had Dr. Rachel Reed come on my podcast and Dr. Oh, wow. Sarah Buckley. I don't know if you know them. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Like Rachel writing. Reed was one of the first no, uh, she... midwife thinking. No. Okay, yes. So... Dr. Rachel Reed, I saw her at a doula conference uh, before I fell pregnant years ago, and she was talking about physiological and instinctive birth, and she was one of the catalysts that I was like, she's basically saying if you want to have a physiological birth, don't go to hospital. She's a home birth midwife yeah. who's, you know, a researcher now and and does all the research and guidelines and things like that, and now she uh, teaches doulas and midwives. The She breaks down the evidence and that sort of thing. I thought, she really knows what she's talking about. She's been working in this industry for over 30 years. And I started to, I interviewed her on my podcast about instinctive and physiological birth. And I learned that in an instinctive physiological birth that we don't need to worry so much about baby's position. We don't need to worry about birthing positions. We don't, we just allow the process to unfold the way that it needs to. We just yeah. move our body to the way that it intuitively feels right. Just like if we're in pain now or, something happens we do that just as we're breathing and living now just as I was able to conceive and create an entire human being I saw the birthing process as like the easiest part of that whole process because the intricacies of growing an entire human being that your body's like working and doing all this magical stuff growing hearts growing eyes growing hair like think about it that's very complex and yeah. so evacuating the baby at the end is actually the easy part. It's hard for us, but, I mean, from a phys- from a potentially comfort level, but that's actually the easiest part of the process when you think about it. Nobody kind of sits and goes, now your body's going through this hormone and it's got to do this while you're doing this. We have no idea how it makes a baby. Yeah. I mean, that'd be really interesting, but it magically makes a baby. And so I I deeply trusted in instinctive and physiological birth, which meant that I knew that I had a posterior baby before, but I was still reclining on my lounge because I had a belief that even when if I have a posterior baby, it's going to come out my vagina. It might be a longer, more maybe painful birth maybe, but I wasn't willing to sit on birthing balls and go to chiropractors unless I needed to and spend X, Y, Z. I didn't want to have to do Pilates and that. I mean, if I wanted to go to chiropractor because I had a sore back, yep, I would. 
but yeah. I wasn't going to do it just for birthing um, on that level. Position, yeah. And by having this deep level, it, it removed me having to like freak out. That doesn't mean that at times yeah. I knew I could feel my baby was transverse and I had a freak out at like 14 weeks <laughs> very early. Yeah. I was like, oh my goodness, I can feel my baby's transverse. And like I posted 14? in a group and home birth mums, I think 14? I was like 14 weeks. Oh yeah, super, super I, early. How did but you I was, feel that? Yeah, I was, oh, I could feel the kicks. And then I had a ultrasound, I think about 20 weeks. And it, uh, or maybe it was like around about that time. And it actually, um, it actually, so first of all, I was posting groups, like I can feel these tiny kicks down on the right side of where I was. And people were saying it's probably just gas. And I was like, I don't know, I'm a third-time mom. I can feel something. It's, like, really early. And then it was different uh, position. Plus, this was the first baby I'd had that didn't have a posterior placenta. So I had all these, like, intuitive okay. things happening. And then I ended up having some bleeding in early pregnancy and I did get an ultrasound uh, a little bit earlier on. And I ended up having confirmation that the baby was in that position. Um, but I had two ultrasounds that pregnancy and I did – have some bloods and things done. So I made sure that I was getting things checked that I felt were important. Yeah. I didn't personally have any problems with blood pressure throughout any of my other pregnancies. And I felt that intuitively I didn't need to have blood pressure checks throughout my pregnancy. If I, if I felt like I had issues, I, I never had high blood pressure. I don't need to check that. I had low blood pressure in pregnancy, but there's nothing, they, they didn't care about low blood pressure. So I didn't yeah. need to get that side checked or anything. I just checked my iron and whatever other levels I needed to check. Yes, I did have a bit of a freak out about that. And the mothers in that group said to me, it's way too early. Don't panic. Because I did go into catastrophic zone with quite a mm. few fears over the, over the period. And they said that I was transverse until my baby, until I went into labor and my baby came out vaginally with no problems. A lot yeah. of the comments that I received were very positive from like-minded home birth moms who yeah. were like, we've had no problems. It's all good. Yeah. And so well, that's tick that one off. Let's move on to the next fear. Yeah. yeah. Big babies really was a good. big thing for me. I went through that one, tick that one off, move on to the next yeah. thing. Postpartum hemorrhage was a worry for me. And yeah. I didn't get to share my free birth story, but I ended up, um, my doula interrupted the end process of my birth. So when the baby's head emerged out and the shoulders came out, she said to my husband, move back and don't touch the baby. And the adrenaline spiked through my body wow. and I started going, why is she saying that? I know with breaches, you're not supposed to touch baby. Why is she saying this? Uh, I could feel an urgency coming from her and my contractions completely stopped. And then my baby wasn't coming out. There was no contractions. And I was kind of like, well, what do I do? I said, well, can you pull the baby out? She said, no, I'm, I'm not doing anything. I said to my husband, can you pull the baby out? He's like, I don't really want to hurt the baby. And I said, okay, I'll just push this baby out. And I purple pushed her out and I was almost blacking out. I was pushing that hard, but I think it was only for a minute or so. And then as soon as baby came out, I was so happy and everything. And I had her on my chest and I got to find out what she was. And then my doula came around and interrupted me again and said, I think there's a problem with her breathing. I think you should call an ambulance. And what I had done by hiring the doula is I was very unsure whether I was going to hire a doula. 
And I said, I felt very comfortable and confident I could vaginally birth and I probably didn't even need her for the birth. But I was worried about the placenta and I was worried about postpartum hemorrhage. And yeah. ironically, she, I believe she caused those things to happen. Um, so, you know, some people have said, oh, you might have manifested it because it was one of your concerns. But it wasn't something that I ever really thought about. It was just one of those concerns. I'm In my mind, I mitigated the risk by hiring someone who I felt was experienced in that arena. Um, turns out she caused it. Uh, you can't actually, there's nothing you can do to stop the way people behave. I can't help that I react to other people's energies. That's from childhood trauma and who I am and that's fine. Um, it just, it is what it is. But that ended up meaning I had retained placenta. I ended up um, bleeding quite a lot and I ended up transferring to hospital. So I had a, I had a different experience. I thought I was going to be having my home birth and snuggling up to baby in bed. And so I can't, change that and I don't know if she hadn't done those things what would have happened we'll never know but I do have that experience and after that I had to I've had to work through like if I have another child what about this whole postpartum hemorrhage thing right yeah what are we going to do about that and so it's really just about understanding so now I know you know I've reset I I do I'm in Dr Rachel Reed's midwives course birth doula course talking about physiological birth and everything and I know that for majority of women, it's going to work. And I know that that was a dis- disrupted birth. So I'm yeah. all about protecting the energy in the space, but also taking on the responsibility because if you outsource yeah. your responsibility to somebody else, I allowed her to make that choice for me. It was a recommendation. And if I could go back in time, I would have looked at my baby and said, now nah, she's fine. Like the ambulance cleared her as soon as, as soon as she came, but Perhaps it was always meant to be that I needed to go to hospital and it ended up being a bit of a healing journey for me as well because I went to that first hospital that kicked me out and they treated me really well. So, And I was able to advocate and I was able to be heard. So that yeah. was a really positive experience for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and unfortunately for VBAC home birth mums, we there's a higher transfer rate for us going into hospital as well. So it is something to be mindful of that there is a possibility of that and to be prepared for that outcome that you may need to advocate and know your rights as well. Yeah. And, and to know the actual statistics, because um, I believe I was reading on it the other day and you can correct me um, if I'm wrong, but uh, see, I, I probably shouldn't even quote it because uh it may not even be about hospital transfers or uh, placenta abruption, but just the point, my point being, let me just say it this way, is that, you know, the, the risk is higher, the risk goes up, but what is the actual risk? Because, um, you know, it's like, can be very minimal still, but they'll just say, oh, yeah. all we hear, the fear mongering is, well, the risk goes up. Well, but what, what percentage of the risk actually goes up? And, so, and in some of those major yeah. things like placenta abruption, it's like 0.01% goes up or 0.1%, you know, your chance is 0.1%. It's like, okay, that that's a total misrepresentation of what what the higher risk actually is. Um, and we've just fear-mongered um, doctors even. I mean, I feel like they're the ones that are fear-mongered from a higher um, standard. And then they're being forced to push those same things onto, you know, moms and families that come into the hospital. 
Yeah. And I, I've looked at that for the postpartum hemorrhage. You know, I believe that that was, it wasn't like there was no reason for it. There was a reason for it. I think for home birth, postpartum hemorrhages, only a couple of percent of women will experience it, right? Yeah. Um, and I was one of it, it. It still happens to a percentage of people. So we've got to be mindful yeah. that these things can happen. And one of the things that I did actually say to myself is no matter what happens, I will lovingly support myself through this process. I don't know what I don't know. I can't see what's in the future. I can only do the best that I think is today, right? So I made a choice to free birth with the support that I chose. I tried to control as much as I could, which was having a transfer plan, blah, 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 having conversations about what my expectations were in birth. I didn't want them to coach me. I didn't want them to interrupt me. Even yeah. having that conversation, there was still some disruption. Yeah. You can only control a certain amount and the rest you have to just allow to unfold the way it needs to. But don't like what I did to myself in my second experience was I ridiculed myself. If only I'd mm. said no, if only I'd done this, if only I'd known this. And it's giving yourself that loving peace that yeah. you've done as much as you can without becoming a qualified midwife and attending like 2000 births. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can exactly. only know what you can know. And the, the statistics is, is sound like for a smaller amount, like, but it will still happen to one person. If it happens to you, that's 100%, right? You're the one. Yeah. And so you've got to accept that with birth and life, every time I get in my car, my husband and I were talking about, uh, you know, whether it's safer to fly or get in a car. And then my husband was telling me, like, every day he goes to work, he sees all these, like, car accidents. And I was like, every day you get in the car, you're putting yourself at risk. And then we, ha I had my friend's husband's a pilot, and so he was talking about, all of the things they have to do, medical tests every year, uh, driving tests, flying tests, the things that they do on the airplanes. And then here's us getting into these huge cars that who knows if they're road safety, drunk drivers, drug drivers, unlicensed, unregistered, like all of these people getting into a car driving like maniacs across the road. We're going into like high-risk situations. It's just yeah. nobody's saying to you, do you know this could be your last day on the road? Because it could yeah. be. And when you think yeah. about it, there's probably one person that you've met or have connection with who's been in a car accident. I I have quite a lot of people I know who have been in car accidents and some people have been seriously injured and we don't talk about this every day. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a great perspective to put it into. Um, if you think of the whole population and how many yeah. were seriously injured or, you know, death from a car accident, the actual percentage, and then yeah. almost like take that and compare it to the birth percentages to just put it into perspective of like, oh, okay, that helps me really see how many women actually um, experience these traumatic events um, mm. due to, you know, what they say could happen. Um so I did have um, a question on my mind and now I have lost it, but um, I do want to go back to one thing that you were saying, because I am just naturally a teacher by heart. And so I love just teaching and putting all the knowledge out there. And because then, you know, 
whatever speaks to whoever's listening, you just can grab a hold of that one thing out of whatever we say today, and you can take it with you wherever you go. But one thing that I read in the Home Birth on Your Own Terms book about water births, mm. and we know, mm. like, you know, if you've been in this world for a, a while and you've studied home birth or water birth, um, there's a couple things. Getting in the water can slow your labor down. And so when I got in the water with my first birth, it did. It slowed my labor down. So I like vowed <laughs> with my second birth, like I am not getting in the water. Don't touch me with the water. You know, I don't want it at all. Um, and so then just naturally, because that's the way I'd had my babies, I have not birthed in the water, but um, it is also true that it's, it was our ancestors way of getting in the water was to relieve pain. Um, and getting in the water is soothing, but also I love what she brought out in that book. And she says, um, you know, during a contraction, it's putting about 65 pounds of pressure on your cervix. Everything is just pushing down and getting the baby down and opening up your cervix. And, but when you get in the water, it relieves that amount of pressure tremendously. I don't remember what it relieved it up to. I'd have to read it back again. But if you think mm. about it, you're in the water because you talked about your water's breaking, you know, and the baby even being uncomfortable and it's harder for the baby to move around. Mm. And so even with mom being in the water, it actually, we know that it makes us lighter. It makes everything less heavy. And so it actually relieves the amount of pressure being applied to your cervix as well. Oh, it's I am a mermaid by nature <laughs> and I love the water. I was swimming as much as I could through my pregnancy. Oh, wow. I love being in the water. A bigger person, it's it's harder anyways being pregnant and having to carry around the extra weight. But being a bigger person, it was so amazing being in that warm, floaty birth pool. I didn't have to worry about I was weightless. And I know a lot of people talk about it potentially slowing down birth, but, you know, so what? Like if you're comfortable and it's the most comfortable thing, you can always get out and get back in if you want to. But I just wanted to be in the space where I was most comfortable and felt the most safe. And I see sometimes like I hear stories of my midwife said it was okay that I could get in the water or, you know, oh gosh, I was yeah. able to get in the water 30 minutes before I gave birth. I thought all of that time you could, they had you doing lunges and they had you doing all this stuff, yeah. which is not intuitive, it's physiological. I just jumped it like from my point of view and my experience, I know everyone has different births, but I just jumped in a pool and just chilled around until the baby was born. Maybe yeah. if I was standing, I a hundred percent believe if I was standing up, I would have tired myself out a hundred percent. Yeah. But baby might've been born in six hours, maybe, but so what do I get a medal for birthing my baby in six hours? I had an awesome time in that pool. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I could have birthed her and done all these. I had a client recently who told me I was doing this. I said, did that feel good for you? She said, no, but I think it helped with position. I thought, I think it would have been awesome. I didn't say this, but how much awesome would it been if you were just left to your own devices and you were just floating around the pool, but your midwife had to step in and say, put your leg up, up on this mm. chair. Cause we've got to get your baby in a better position. And that was very painful for you, but maybe maybe your baby came two hours earlier. But why are we rushing babies to come yeah. when our bodies can do the work? If you're in pain or if you're not comfortable, of course you can do these positions or things if you want to. But I just went with the lazy, intuitive, physiological approach. And now it's all I live and breathe, like literally. I can't 
I can't stop it because yeah. it's like everyone wants to tell you like you have to do this you have to do that you have to do that and I just don't believe you have to do any of that I just think yeah. you just as as you get gastro well, I don't know if you've had gastro your body just goes through the process it goes in waves you vomit or you diarrhea or whatever it is and I have you ever had gastro before it, the, when you're the stomach that, flu are you when oh okay the, okay the flu yeah yeah yeah, the stomach flu where you, you either get diarrhea or you're vomiting profusely. Mm-hmm. I've had some really bad cases with my kids where I've almost been hallucinating from the pain. Mm. The cramps have been so intense that it's like I felt like – but it's like a 12-hour process of hell. And yeah. I consider that to be very very similar to there's no saving you. There's nothing that can be done right. You've just got to ride the waves of whatever's happening. And your body just tells you, like, I've got to vomit now, so I've got to run to the toilet or yeah. bucket or whatever. And I just kind of see that as, like, it's a similar process that yeah. for this period of time, whether it's six hours or 72 hours, you're just riding the storm. And unless there's a really um, a really bad warning sign or something really, you know, coming up that's showing that there's a severe problem, majority of women it's just about riding the wave you know what I mean like just Mm -hmm. allowing the process to unfold and trying not to control it too much yeah Mm. well and that's really good and I remember now what my other uh point was going to be because you talked about when the doula said something and and maybe you had a conversation with her afterwards maybe you know why she said this but when she said to your husband back away don't touch the baby and that alarmed you that immediately stopped all the oxytocin. And I read just an email the other day that came through and same story, you know, the mom got to the hospital and then what happened? All of a sudden her contraction stopped. Well, because she didn't feel safe, oxytocin has to have a safe place in order to be released. Um, because it had, and I teach this in my, um, birthing course that I've written is that oxytocin has, you have to think of your birthing space the same as a lovemaking space. If you can't make love in that space, then you can't birth a baby in that space, not peacefully and not the way that your body needs to. So you have to think lovemaking space, um, intimacy Mm -hmm. with your spouse, your partner, and um, so that your body can fully give itself over to what's happening. Um, Because like you said, when adrenaline rises, then it, it, it actually cannot, they're counterintuitive. One cannot work while the other one's Mm -hmm. working. Um, And so getting, I I love what you said about just getting in there and letting it happen. Um, Because there's so many that just even being able to relax, just um, that also takes the fear, pain, and tension out of the process Mm -hmm. and allows the body to open up and the baby to move out so much better Um, because that fear factor that's there is um, something that definitely stops labor as well. Yeah, absolutely. All the disruptions, all the mindset challenges and all the fear. And, yeah, I ended up connecting with a woman after my birth when I shared my story. She said, can I send you a DM? And I said, yeah, sure. And she said, we had similar birth experiences. This is what happened to me. Turned out we had the same doula. What are the odds? wow similar yeah she had had her a few months before then and similar situation um so i i suspect there was some fear that was even though we talked about energy and all that 
I suspect there was some fear from I don't know why, but for whatever happened, I never had the conversation with the doula. Um, she did apologise, but I don't actually know why she had said those things and I never yeah. had an opportunity to really ask those questions. I think it the conversation probably needed to happen a few months later when I had the words to articulate and understand everything that had happened and yeah we have not um you know it was just that one conversation after birth and that was kind of it so it's interesting but it was interesting that person connected to me too because that was a sign and a message and I kept getting this message of like everyone is going to sabotage and ruin your birth so that was another thing that I had to work through and I'm now in a space of if I was to have another um, baby I would feel safe I've got connections with midwives I would feel safe enough to and I'm allowed to I think people will support me now that I've got a vaginal birth but it's it's navigating I I, I trust people I'm working through the trust issues as well there's a lot of things that my clients that I work with they've got trust issues because they've been sabotaged all these things have happened and it's just a matter of you can't control every single outcome in life and we have to open ourselves back up again and allow the support that we desire or that we feel that we need to and I would never not have anyone in my space because I had been burned before in a sense Mm -hmm. I would Mm -hmm. allow somebody new if I felt they were right fit if I felt that I needed that support yeah yeah um, okay, so I want to ask you one more question because we were talking about the baby's position. Sure. Um, and so, because breech babies are such a, you know, absolutely you cannot deliver breech babies. Um, that's really the stigma behind it. And it's almost kind of like, you know, almost the same lie as a VBAC. Like, you can't do a VBAC. Like, yeah. some women don't even know it's an option. Um, I watch videos all the time of breech babies being born. Um, And then I I even hear some stories of women who were planning a free birth and they're like, Oh, surprise breech baby. You know, they didn't know that the baby was breech until the baby was coming out. Um, So what are your um, thoughts on mamas who might be finding themselves in that position, you know, late term here they are 36 weeks, baby's not moving, baby's still breech. Um, Talk to us about that. Breach is one of those things that I had to contemplate myself. And I thought yeah. uh, because I didn't get a scan right up and I didn't know what position, I was just going to roll with whatever happened. I had to put, I surrendered the trust and faith that everything. And that's why when she said, don't touch the baby, the breach mm-hmm. thing came to me because I understood how a baby needed to be born breach. Uh, so there is Dr. Stewart, Dr. Stewart, Fishburn, have you followed him? Birthing instincts. He uh, is a obstetrician who births. He helps deliver breech is he at home. Have you seen borders? him? I don't know. Is he on the uh, yes? Without oh, borders he isn't breech without oh, yeah. borders. He met. He. I think he's on all the podcasts. I'm actually going to be interviewing him next month on my podcast. Oh, awesome! Uh, but he's a huge advocate for supporting women and midwives to birth at home in all capacities but also the main thing is around breach and so he's really helping facilitate that so there's a lot of information that he provides and a lot of obviously uh that what you said was it breach without borders is also a really great resource or if you want to get trained up on that as a, a professional that's a really good one to look at 
I was happy just to kind of go with the flow. I have three mm-hmm. friends who have had breech babies and I had one who had a accidental free birth so she was planning on having a breach in hospital and she had an accidental free birth and I was like okay so she's done it cool yeah and then I had a friend who was planning a a c-section breach because they were not supporting her to have a breach but the obstetrician said to her actually she came into labor before the c-section was due and she said you know I'm comfortable supporting you do you want to do this vaginally and she was like wow. okay yep cool she had that baby breach and then my very good friend she had a breach in hospital in a number of hours it was a couple of hours she ended up finding a breach specialist in where we live in or actually in a different state where she was living so I think it's about finding a specialist if you're birthing in hospital you have to find a specialist because they will freak out um yeah they they won't know what to do and they could cause more damage than not right the last thing I you want hear is somebody that, who doesn't actually, know what they're doing. I, a really amazing piece of advice that I got, because I kind of was in that mind space of like, you know, not, it was before I was pregnant, but I was just listening to podcasts and, or watching breach videos of like, just, just wait and just, you know, just have your baby the way you want it to. But he really did give a good piece of advice. And he said kind of the same thing you did, like, do not just show up to the hospital because they're not trained. So you're going to, they're, they're going to be surprised and not know what to do. So, so please don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And you have to know that information because you want to go somewhere where they can actually help you not cause more of a problem. And so really understand where you can go in a certain situation for whatever it is that you kind of want as well, because you it might be better just to stay home and do it yourself than go somewhere where there's going to be somebody who's literally flipping their lid because they've never attended a breach delivery before. Um, I'm sure they probably have some really good techniques to get you into this into surgery maybe, but I don't know how they kind of yeah. mitigate or manage that. Um, yeah, and there might be some midwives and doulas, you know, potentially I know worldwide – I know in America, in different states, you know, you can be back here. You're not allowed to be back here. You're allowed to do this. You're allowed to do that. It's all over the place yeah. in where you are. And yeah. it's so different in different states. Um, I don't think that they support it here in Australia. I think that they do, but accidental breaches happen. So if you're not one of those mums who's getting a scan later stage or if you refuse a scan as long as the midwife doesn't know about it as well and that this is why I kind of went in with the knowledge of I'd rather not know and just deal with whatever's happening in some instances yeah. rather than if I was to know like if I was having twins I probably would rather not know so that mm. because I probably would chicken out to have a home birth you know what I mean yeah now that I've had a free birth I probably would be fine with it because I've had a vaginal yeah. birth now. So it's just about your comfort zones and, and what you're comfortable with. Yeah, that's really good. Um, I appreciate all of that advice that you've given us today. And we, I think I, I could definitely talk to you for so much longer and just ask you all the questions and um, all the things that you went through to get yourself prepared for that free birth after having two traumatic births. Um, but I know that your story mm. is helping encourage so many women who still just strongly desire that vaginal birth. Um, I, I have a couple of friends that yeah. 
they've had two cesareans and I mean, they just feel so defeated and, you know, they've not been able to find a provider. There is one provider, actually one of my midwives that delivered three of my four babies. She had a vaginal birth after two cesareans and she, um, so she shared her nursing midwife. So midwife in the hospitals information with me. And so she's still practicing. So I do share her information with people. Um, but Mm. you know, just to encourage women, like you said, to just take a radical responsibility for your own birth. Um, because Mm. talking about intuition on this podcast a lot, but really what we've done when we've, there's so much information out there and we're fed all of this information from out, out, you know, outsources, we, we forget that mm-hmm. like, no, we're our greatest, um, provider because we can internal, we can go, you know, if you could just stop for a minute and like really just listen to your body and think about what's going on and then rationalize with yourself, you know, um, you, you talked about postpartum hemorrhaging after, your home birth, um, you know, you were able to get to the hospital on time and we didn't go into too much detail of that. But I think for a lot of women, they think like that that's just the end of it. If they postpartum hemorrhage, like there's not gonna be enough time to get to the hospital. Not only Mm. that, but they, most people don't even know that midwives have all the medical, um, supplies that they need to stop postpartum hemorrhaging. They have the Pitocin to stop the postpartum Mm. hemorrhaging. Um, for me personally, I'm looking into tinctures that will, um, help stop postpartum hemorrhaging breastfeeding. That's, I mean, you know, let that uterus start contracting again. Um, there's so many just natural things that we can do, but also just, we've totally lost, we've totally lost that knowledge to just listen to ourselves too. We have, we have. And I think like, I, 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 I lost a lot of blood very quickly. Like I lost three liters of blood in a matter of hours and that was very very quick I don't think that's the normal you know what I mean and so I still was able to get to the hospital it was because my placenta was retained and obviously no none of those contractions but when you can look at it logically like well this look how dangerous being disrupted is look how dangerous supporting physiological birth can be Mm. and for me it's a it's about protecting that bubble, protecting everything that is physiological and having access to medical care when that gets disrupted or when things don't work the way that they should work or that they're supposed to work because things do happen sometimes, you know. You can get disrupted or something can happen. We're not perfect human beings. And I just think it's really great that I was able to go and get put under which was one of my requests. I was, I was so grateful that I was able to be put under, have pain medication, not experience them removing the re- retained placenta, yeah. that yeah. we now have blood transfusion. We're in such a safer society now where we can, a lot of women died from postpartum hemorrhage before because we didn't have access to these certain things. Or, And, and in my case, I didn't have a, a midwife who was able to palpitate my stomach get the placenta out, give me the shot at the right time. Apparently, um, you, when you do get that shot, the, the placenta is supposed to come out in a, in a few minutes or very quickly. So my doula told the ambulance to give me that shot 
and then my placenta was still stuck inside me so mm. that just compounded the issue and yeah there was you know when you really understand how it works you're like no wonder no surprise yeah. right and yeah. well, it's really just about trusting and listening to yourself like you said yeah well Ashley thank you so much for coming on here today and sharing all of your story with us and I know you have three amazing beautiful babies and they have all yeah. come out um, and are healthy and growing. How old are they? So they're about to turn nine, seven, and three. My baby's turning three soon. I can't believe it. My little free birth baby. But every yeah. time I look at her or just think about that, I'm like, you were born here in this room. And it was such a special experience for my husband and I. Like, he healed, I think. He wasn't able to put words to the experiences, but he bonded so much better with her because mm. he was the first one to touch her when she was earthside. He got yeah. he was the first one to know what she was, a girl. He's articulated. He's been more protective over her as well. Like he's taken more responsibility for her. And I think it just brought us a lot closer as parents and yeah. partners and my, my older children, they weren't there, but they got to see how birth works and they understand what mummy does now. And they, like my daughter's like, you know, there's a bit of grieving when it comes to like someone being born surgical birth. She's like, why was I born like that and not got to be uh, born at home? Yeah. And if I have children, I'm going to have a home birth because that's, you know, so it's really beautiful to see. And we homeschool now too. So it's yeah. like this whole life plan is like unfolding the way that it needed to unfold and I'm kind of yeah. following my grandmother who not that everyone talks about it but guess what my I don't even talk to my stepsisters but they've gone on to have home births not because of me mm. but just yeah. because of their own choices I've got a cousin who's home birthing and all these people in my family lineage or my family and now starting to make these choices too so I feel yeah. a change is coming for us yeah. and I feel women are coming back to their roots That's and it feels so really true. good yeah, same here. Mm. All, all my, Thank my you so much laws. for having me here. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for reaching out. But yeah, all of my sister-in-laws, they had uh, home births as well, all but one. Um, wow. But she had wow. A good, two good hospital experiences and natural birth in the hospital. So um, yeah, it's been, it's been amazing. It's been a fun journey. Um, and so um, yeah, so tell us again, tell our guests again where they can reach you and your podcast and your social media accounts and your website if you have a website okay awesome so you can find me on instagram ashley l winning which is a-s-h-l-e-y l winning and i'll give you all this for the show notes too yeah. my website's ashleywinning.com and my podcast is called the v-back home best stories podcast so there's expert interviews real women's stories and i also share my knowledge just as you do because i'm a natural teacher too and it's yeah. so much fun getting to basically share that that seed of knowledge that we learn that makes us feel so powerful and mm -hmm. be able to share that with other women too because knowledge is power mm -hmm. it definitely is well, thank you again. And yes, we will share all of that information in the show notes below. So please y'all visit Ashley, go listen to her podcast and uh, reach out to her, sign up for her email. She has a great email blast that goes out. So um, thank you again, Ashley. Thank you so much. 
Thanks for joining me on this episode of Barefoot Parenting. If what you're doing works for you, is healthy for your family, and is growing you in the ways you need to grow, then it's time to step out of the feeling of guilt and shame and wear your Barefoot Mama badge proudly. Remember, Barefoot parents are doing things differently, so be encouraged today. If you're feeling the pushback in your parenting style, you're doing something right.